Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. I am your host, Tony Fry. This is episode 109. Thank you for downloading. Today we're covering one of my all-time favorite tunes um, by the late, great George Harrison called Isn't It a Pity? Uh, This was released as the B-side to My Sweet Lord on November 23rd, 1970 and released on the album All Things Must Pass just four days later. And in Canada, this side actually topped the charts. In America, it also topped the charts with My Sweet Lord. It was issued... um, like a double a and then in canada this song was the preferred side among djs so this was a hit this is a beloved george harrison song it's one of the most covered songs from his solo catalog and it's a simple masterpiece that is i mean maybe it's a little bit more complex than it seems but not by much because it is a very simple song with and we've said this a thousand times on 109 episodes so far. No real chorus. Um, the, the On All Things Must Pass, there are two versions. Version one is the version that was released as a single, and that closes out um, the first side of All Things Must Pass, which, as we know, is a triple album. Really, it's a double album with a bonus disc of jam stuff. So if you just take it as a bonus, uh, that inside A, um, on and we'll talk about this when we eventually talk about All Things Must Pass as an album, I think maybe the best A-side of any Beatles or Kinks or solo album. The first five songs on this record are just spectacular. And isn't it a pity, closing out the side, so we've got a couple hits. We've heard My Sweet Lord, um... We've heard Wah Wah, which is a good rocker. Uh, We've had a Bob Dylan contribution with the opening um, track. And then we've heard, uh, oh no, that's, no, I was going to say What Is Life. That's the start of side B. So we've had, I've had you anytime, my sweet Lord, Wah Wah. And then the side closes with Isn't It a Pity at seven minutes and 11 seconds. Coming off of Wawa, which is a loud electric guitar rock song, and then having Isn't It a Pity start with nothing and build and end with this epic uh, recording with the with the background singers and a thousand instruments and all that kind of stuff, and coupled with just the mood and atmosphere of the song, it works perfectly as a side closer because it gives you a few seconds to sit in silence while you get up and turn the record over. And then when you couple that on the CD, it's followed by What Is Life, which is one of George's best rock pop up-tempo songs. Um, So on CD, it it flows nicely. But on, on LP, it's just a thing of beauty to have to take that minute and just sit and let that song kind of reverberate in your own head. Depending on your source, um. This song, the song was written during the Beatles era. 
And depending on who you talk to, it was submitted for inclusion on either or all three, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper, and Let It Be. So this could have been a Revolver tune. And if you listen to version two, which is later on in the album, which is much slower, but a little bit more stripped down uh, uh, musically, it's a little bit more bare. Um, it's shorter. It clocks in at like four minutes or four and change or something like that. Um, if you listen to that version, I think that's how, oh, it's almost five minutes. That's how the Beatles would have recorded it, more like version two. And apparently that might have been what George preferred because he was not super satisfied with the first recording. It's produced by Phil Spector. We've talked about Phil Spector before. This is one of the few cases on All Things Must Pass where his wall of sound, I think, works. It, it sets the atmosphere for this recording um, and gives it the production it deserves. Like this song demands in this version... I don't know. It's weird to say because version two is much more stripped back and it's still a beautiful song. But this, the the recording they were doing, the way they were building it, it demanded some kind of just epic conclusion. Um, the version one features George Harrison, obviously Gary Wright on piano, Billy Preston on organ, Bobby Whitlock on harmonium, uh, Badfinger, the band, not just one dude, the whole band on acoustic guitars, Klaus Vorman on bass. And Ringo on drums, among others, plus the orchestral um, section and all that. So that's an all-star lineup right there of players. And then version two, the slower, shorter version, has Harrison uh, Clapton on lead guitar, Ringo on drums again, Tony Ashton and Bobby Whitlock on keyboard. So there's fewer players on it. Um, but Ringo's on both of them, so you can hear how Ringo would have drummed it on a Beatles record. But I just think that second version, if you listen to it and you think, uh, Abbey Road. I think it fits beautifully there. And um, I think on Revolver, maybe it would have had a little bit more electric, you know, electric 12 string or something, but it still would have fit beautiful on Revolver as well. George recorded a demo of it on January 26, 1969 in Apple Studios. And it was the same day the band, they, they did a bunch of like Smokey Robinson covers they started work on Let It Be in the Long and Winding Road. But a real import here, and this is why I think it's easy to, to understand why George was frustrated with how his output was treated. George did a demo of Isn't It a Pity, which ultimately gets rejected by the band for potentially the third time that he submitted it. Um, but they spend a significant amount of time playing Dig It which you'll know from the Let It Be album, is like 30 seconds long. It's just a jam, John singing nonsense lyrics. That 30-second snippet, remember Let It Be, the song is bookended by um, a short little Maggie Mae and a short little Dig It. And that 30-second clip is from a recording that lasted for 12 and a half minutes. So they gave 12 and a half minutes to this nonsense, but wouldn't even give a pass on Isn't It a Pity. And I and I hope that when John and Paul heard the song the next year on All Things Must Pass, that they kind of regretted not having included it on 
Abbey Road, Revolver, Sergeant Pepper, any of them. Although I don't know that Sergeant Pepper, um, it would have fit as nicely when you had a day in the life kind of taking that spot for epic recordings. Um, this song is a great example too of George's ability to sing about greater truths. You know, we always talk about how you can't tell sometimes if he's singing a love song about a woman or a love song about God. And, and he hides these greater truths in accessible lyrics. So you can hear it as a love song, but you're still taking the message of whatever spiritual, you know, thing he's trying to, to deliver to you. Isn't it a pity is a lot like that where it's not necessarily a love song or a, a God song or anything, but kind of a, if you hear it superficially, it can be just a love song about, you know, love gone wrong. And when you consider where his marriage is at the time, um, you know, isn't it a pity? Isn't it a shame how we break each other's hearts and cause each other pain? And, uh, so, you know, it could be just a letter to, to his wife, Patty, saying, this is kind of, this is this sucks. We love each other. Why are we doing this? But then on the greater scale of things, this is a much bigger message. You know, it's not how we break each other's hearts, but as in he and Patty, it's how we break each other's hearts as a global, you know, we, the, the, the all of us. The song uses some Indian influence in its construction, um, but does not. It doesn't sound Indian. But where you get the Indian influence is through this drone on a G, and that G lasts um, pretty much every chord in the song. No, nope. every chord in the song has a G in it. And there's some debate if you go uh, onto the websites and look for the chords. Um, there's some question about what the second chord of the song is. I'll tell you right now, I think it's a G diminished seven chord. Um, some people call it an E6, which is close. Um, but I think what makes it actually the diminished chord is if you listen to the guitar break, he actually hits the um, that note right there, which is not in the E minor six, but it is in the diminished chord. So I think, although he may not highlight that one specific note every time um, it passes through, I think it is a, a G diminished seven chord. So we've got a G chord, G on top. A G diminished seven, G is still the root. A C chord with a G, uh, that's the fifth in there. Then he repeats it again. And then we've got an A7 chord, which the 7 in an A7 chord is G. So you can play that G over the entire. Isn't it a pity? Now isn't it a shame How we break each other's hearts Cause each other pain 
how we take each other's love. Without thinking anymore. Forgetting to give back. Isn't it a pity? So that G holds the whole time. And having that drum, we talked about um, Tomorrow Never Knows a couple episodes ago with that the ostinato C. Having that G going through the whole song like that um, is a tactic that is used in Indian music a lot. What makes this not sound Indian, though, is because all the chords feature that G. And what makes it sound more Indian like on Tomorrow Never Knows is that the melody breaks away from that drone so that there's some dissonance there. You don't really get that dissonance um, with this drone because the the drone is a part of every uh, chord in the song. I, I hope that makes sense. So that's where like he's drawing that Indian influence, which he'll draw from you know, not necessarily using a sitar, but he will draw from that songwriting um, angle for the rest of his career. And he does it in ways like this that, you know, come off as like a folk uh, composition, but it is his Indian influence that comes in there. Um, At the end of the first version, the song fades out and you hear... uh, a pity what a pity what's a pity pity and then underneath that you also hear na 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 isn't it a pity and you have to listen real close i have to admit i never really noticed it until the concert for George film. And it was definitely more pronounced there. And at first I thought, well, they're kind of having a laugh because they've got Paul on stage there and, and, uh, and they're doing this Hey Jude nod, but it is on the record. You can hear it. And the, as the song fades, it gets a little bit more pronounced as everything else comes down. Um, And then on the remasters, it's a little bit more pronounced, but I always thought that was cool. And who knows, is that a, a nod? to Hey Jude and his old his old band? Is that his way of saying, you know, because um, this was recorded post-breakup at this point, is that his way of saying, like, isn't it a pity we couldn't work it out? You know, because he was going through his, his own uh, grieving process at the breakup of the band, just like John and Paul and Ringo were. Is it a dig at the band for having rejected it? Being like, oh, we can do Paul's eight-minute song, but we can't do my eight-minute song. Who knows what the motivation was? Or was it something that just happened in the studio? And, uh, you know, because George had a good sense of humor and, you know, he took his music seriously, but he wasn't uh, above adding something in there because it made him laugh at the time, even though this is not a funny song. Who knows why he did it? But it is a cool little thing to listen for. Uh, during the fate of that song. And then later on in 1975 on his Extra Texture album, he brings in snippets of this song on his track, uh, The Answers at the End. So the song breaks down 
and you hear him go, isn't it a pity how we hurt the ones that we love most of all, right? So he adds in, he's not singing it, you know, directly the same way, but he adds in a little, a little flavor. And I like when, when artists can call back to older songs and stuff like that. It makes it feel like the entire catalog is a cohesive you know, ma- you know, masterpiece. And Frank Zappa used to call that um, uh, conceptual continuity, you know, where you could bring back stuff from older albums and now it makes it feel like the older album was giving you a prelude to this or whatever, you know, it's, it, it adds to the grand scheme of your compositions. So that's Isn't It a Pity, one of my favorite songs. Um, I think the chords, for as simple as they are, are just beautiful. His melody is beautiful. The guitar work is beautiful. The production on both songs is perfect. Um, His demo would be perfect. I mean, just him singing it on acoustic guitar. This is one of those songs that I truly don't think you could mess up. Because if they would have done a version of it that sounded like I'm Only Sleeping or Rain, which is what it probably would have sounded like had it been on the Revolver album. I think I would have loved that just as much as I love the two versions on All Things Must Pass. It's just a great, well-written song. The bones of this song are what makes it great, not necessarily the production. And I don't think you can mess it up. And, And Harrison kind of proved that by doing it twice and having two fantastic versions on the same album, which you don't see a lot of people do. So that's Isn't It a Pity. I would love to hear your thoughts on the song. Um, As I mentioned prior, we are saving all of your emails and voicemails for bonus episodes so that um, we can just do them all at once and talk about it and have a conversation. So give me a call, 925-494-1739, or email me, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. And as always, you can go visit herohabit.com. Um, and under the podcast button, there's a link to Kinks and Beats Daily, and you can find all the information you need on how to contact us, um, all the episodes that have been covered, separated by album, other articles that I've written about the Kinks and the Beatles, um, all sorts of stuff. So swing by herohabit.com for that. All right, I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This podcast is presented by the Hero Habit Podcast Network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.